Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of Don't Tell Me What to Do. We are on episode 10 today, and we are diving into the topic of the beauty industry and the effects on our health. We are shown millions of cosmetic ads yearly telling us to buy products to take away our wrinkles, dye our hair, cover our face, and more. But did you know that many of the cosmetics that we use in the U.S. have actually been banned in Europe due to toxicity of the chemicals? Neither did I, and it was only this year that I really started to think much more holistically about what I was putting on my body besides food and nutrition, and really starting to learn more about all the other chemicals that we bring into our lives in our cleaning and our beauty products and things that we interact and ingest every day. So to talk about this, we have Sarah Strickland. Sarah began her journey into health by attending Bastyr University, where she received her degree in nutrition and dietetics, always a word that I have a hard time saying. Rather than following down the path of solely nutrition, she actually decided that this health journey needed to be much more encompassing and began diving into many of the other health gaps that she saw in today's society. This holistic view on women's health came to include not only diet, but alternative remedies such as essential oil use, reducing environmental toxic exposure through the products that we use on our skin and our homes, and challenging many of society's norms when it comes to what we consider healthy and how we treat illness. Most recently, Sarah focuses on supporting mothers and their families through diet and and lifestyle changes that promote overall well-being. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Jory. This is so fun. Thanks for inviting me on. So Sarah and I grew up in the same small town of Bainbridge Island, and she is very good friends with my sister, and her son is best friends with my nephew. So I've been able to watch not only fun baby videos, but I've also loved following Sarah's Instagram account because she's so honest about the products that she's using and the lessons that she's trying to teach us all. So When I thought about talking about this topic, she was first to come to mind. Thanks, Jory. So Sarah, let's go back to your journey of how you even got involved in this. I'd love to know what inspired you to educate yourself and now others on the topic. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we all really are interested in is kind of what we've struggled through ourselves. And so when I go way back to my childhood, Um, kind of in my middle school years, I struggled a little bit with body image and um, nutrition and food and really um, seeing that connection between what I put in my body and the effects on my body and how I felt. So as I went on, you know, and kind of grew out of that phase, luckily it was kind of short-lived. I continued to really be fascinated in nutrition and not so much the specifics of, you know, specific nutrients in my diet, but the effects of how I felt after I ate something, after I drank drank something. And so I really, um, you know, I really saw that connection and wanted to learn more about that as I went on. It wasn't exactly a straight path towards, you know, my career. Um, there were definitely some twists and turns around there. And I went to school initially out of high school. I actually went to Washington State University and I was studying psychology and human development. And a couple years in, I realized, you know, this isn't exactly taking me where I want career wise. I was a TA for, I was considering becoming a TA for um, my abnormal psych teacher, which was actually my favorite class at the time. 
Um, but as I was talking to her about what her clinical life was like, you know, I just couldn't see myself doing that. So I actually took a couple years out from school at that point, and I traveled around Mexico for six months with my younger sister. And I kind of did a lot of soul searching during this time and tried to figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. And I think, you know, being exposed to this new culture, eating new foods, really living a different lifestyle than I had ever lived before um, reminded me again of the importance of how we live and what we put in our bodies, what we put on our bodies and how that was affecting um, my mood and how I felt and everything else. And um, it was actually one of my good friends at the time, still one of my best friends, who was a nurse and she was living in Seattle and had heard about Bastyr University. And she recommended that I look into it because all of my friends had known growing up that I was really health focused. My mom was really interested in health, um, even though growing up, you know, we didn't actually have that much money and we got a lot of our food from um, a shelter on Bainbridge called Helpline House. But my mom was determined that we would eat healthy regardless of where our food came from. And so I think, um, you know, my friends knew that about me. And so she had recommended looking into Bastyr. And the more I looked into it, I connected, I reached out to some of the teachers. And by the time I came back from Mexico, within that six month period, I had decided I was going to go to school for nutrition. That's so cool. And I love hearing about the roundabout way that you came to it. And I think also really important for us all to think about not necessarily what society tells us or what our parents tell us that we should do, but to actually really think about what drives us personally and and how we can give back. So I know Bastyr is really well known for holistic nutrition and um, training naturopaths, but how did this journey eventually lead you to learning more about the cosmetics industry and bringing that knowledge back to people? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I was never someone that was really into cosmetics. I was using coconut oil for, you know, my moisturizer. I probably only used mascara, um, a little bit of makeup here and there, but I was not really someone that was all that interested in cosmetics ever. Um, and it was not somewhere I saw myself going, but I actually, out, you know, when I graduated from Bastyr, I didn't want to go down this path of dietetics because I felt like I had really gleaned what I could from school. And um, at the point of graduation, I made the choice not to go into the dietetic internship, which would have brought me into working in hospitals. And um, I just didn't really see myself wanting to be there. I felt like I wanted to really look at all of these other areas of health. And um, so, not too long out of high or out of college, um, from after graduating from Bastyr, I had Santi, and I really started focusing on maternal health and infant health. And I started up a business at the time called Mom and Babe, and I was working with a lot of moms and babies at that point. But going into that, um, prior to that, I had been modeling for five years on and off, and I had been exposing myself to all sorts of, you know, hairspray, makeup, all that. I really hadn't given it all that much thought at the time. Um, but during my pregnancy, the first time it really um, sparked something in me is when I was sitting in the hair and makeup chair and someone was putting 
you know, they were spraying my face with the foundation and they were spraying my hair with the hairspray and I could feel Santi moving around in there. And I just thought, you know, this cannot be healthy. There's, I didn't know any of the science behind it at that point, but I just, it's just like one of, you know, those gut feelings where you're like, I really, I think something needs to change. I think I shouldn't continue to do this and expose myself to this. And that was when I kind of started looking into um, and learning a little bit about what I was exposing myself to through those products. Um, but I wasn't introduced to uh, Beauty Counter, which is what, what really led me to a lot of the information that I now understand about the beauty industry until I was um, working on my business, Mom and Babe. And another mom approached me about this company and said, hey, I think this is something that you're going to be interested in. I know how passionate you are about health. And I think that um, you could really help help this movement and have a voice in sharing this with other other women. And so as I started to think about my own journey and how little I had known about um, the products that I was using and how this was really, you know, potentially affecting myself and affecting my baby when I was pregnant, I wanted to kind of spare other women that didn't have that knowledge. I wanted to help educate them and bring that awareness about earlier on, before they were pregnant, before they were even maybe thinking about pregnancy, because that's such a crucial time in development. And, you know, as we might talk about later on, I think there really are windows that are especially crucial um, when you're thinking about health and exposure to toxins. And isn't it so interesting that even somebody like you, and I think of myself in this camp as well, of being really intentional about what you're eating or how you're moving and thinking of yourself as a healthy person, but even that population has such a blind spot within this product industry. It just, it, baff- it blows my mind. You know, it's really crazy because I'm still connected with a lot of the people that I went to school with. And when I post about a lot of this stuff or I reach out to people. I'm really amazed now knowing what I do, you know, knowing what I know at this point. It's hard for me to sometimes remember what it was like before. And as I'm reaching out to these people and they really are, they're, they have such a wide range of knowledge in terms of health. This is something that they're lacking as well, which really makes me realize the importance of getting this information out there. I think that, you know, a lot of the companies don't want this information out there. It's like, you know, company like the cigarette companies don't want people knowing how awful this, you know, cigarettes are. And obviously that is, has become common knowledge, but I don't think we're there yet with cosmetics. I think that people assume the products that are out there are being regulated. And the truth of the matter is that they're not. Um, we, we like to think that people have our best interest in mind, that companies have our best interest in mind. And that's just unfortunately not the case. So we really have to advocate for ourselves and advocate for people that are also uneducated. Yeah. And I'd also say that even people hear the word cosmetics and think that this just applies to women, but cosmetics can also mean how you're washing your hands and the face wash that you're putting on and what you're washing your home with or washing your hair. So I just, it it may be something that women are starting to get more interested in, but it really is a human population issue, not just a female issue. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you think about your laundry detergent, your dishwasher pods, your um, the Febreze candles that you're using, I mean, there's it's almost like you're getting secondhand exposure no matter who you are and no matter how careful you are. Um, you know, everybody is exposed to this men, women, children, animals, you know, our pets. It's, it, it reaches way, way further than we can even imagine. So before we talk about what we can do about this, cause I do want to end on a hopeful note as you started to learn about this, what were the biggest light bulb moments you had or learnings that you had about this industry that you didn't know before that you feel like is really important for everyone to know? Yeah. So a couple of things that really stood out to me um, was that the last law was placed on cosmetics in 1938. So that's over 80 years ago. And when you think about all of the chemicals that have been introduced to the market since that time, I think it's around 85,000 industrial chemicals in those 80 or so years. Um, The fact that our laws on cosmetics haven't changed, but we're now including a lot of those harmful chemicals in our products you know, this we need we need laws that are telling us what we can and can't put in those products. Um, you know, the FDA is not requiring that cosmetic ingredients are tested for safety before they go on the market. And even if a safety issue comes up, um, the FDA actually isn't able to pull those products from the shelves. It's up to the manufacturers to voluntarily pull them. So, um, you know, if you if, if it's a company that you trust, then hopefully they are being responsible and they are pulling those harmful chemicals from the shelves. But also they're a lot of times looking for acute reactions rather than long-term reactions. So they're more concerned with things like, you know, if your eyes are itchy or watering or your skin has a reaction, they're not looking down the line at things like cancer or, um, you know, some of these other long-term effects that are really important if you're thinking about the products that you're using every day um, or over the course of a month or a year, you know, all of that adds up in your body. So maybe, you know, one time here and there, it's okay. But as you're, as these products are accumulating and not always detoxing, you know, our bodies of course, are meant to detox and we can detox to a certain point, but also a lot of these toxins are being held within our bodies and can eventually have um, effects from the accumulation of them. Why do you think this is, why are we set up so differently than other countries? Like, why is Europe so much more concerned with banning certain chemicals, but we're not, and that the burden really is placed on the consumer here to know the safety of their products? And I think yes, like we can all um, take more steps to understand things, but we don't have to do this with other things. Like I think about especially what's crazy is that those chemicals have such an effect, especially on small children. And when there's an unsafe toy for a baby, or even think about how many things are banned um, around infants and sleeping for SIDS, like we care so much about that, but we won't care about something that could be equally as harmful, just to your point, maybe not as acutely harmful. I know it's a really tricky question and I wish that I had an answer for that, but I, I think a lot of it probably comes down to the fact that these companies are making money. Um, I think that, 
it is a worldwide issue, but for whatever reason, the U.S. definitely has further to go than a lot of other countries like Europe. You know, they've banned 1,400 chemicals or ingredients from their cosmetics, for example, and the U.S. has only banned 30. Um, but if you're looking at other areas like you know, supplements. We also don't regulate our supplement industry very well either. Um, I would argue that a lot of our food is not very well regulated as well. I think that there are some areas, like you said, you know, if we're looking at like children's toys and recalls on that and whatnot, um, you, you do see that more often. But I think that also those are, you know, from, um, you know, uh, experiences that mothers are calling in and they're saying, Hey, you know, my child fell down the stairs because this gate didn't work properly. Whereas here, it's something that we're not seeing in real time. It's something that we're seeing further down the line. And so it's hard sometimes to prove cause and effect. I think there's probably just more research that needs to go into it so that we can prove those things and say, you know, this this effect 10 years down the line is because of these ingredients that we were exposed to. How, so as you started to learn more and more about this, and I can even tell from your voice how fired up about it you are, how did this um, change the shape of your career? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I had been working on this company, Mom and Babe, which was really focused more on reducing toxic exposure and nutrition. I was working with a lot of breastfeeding moms on nutrition and teaching some classes and um, as I was approached about this company, Beauty Counter, that was really aiming to change the beauty industry, I, I saw this, the, you know, there was an opportunity for me there to help educate on this area that I really see as a gap in education. I think we're, you know, um, it's emerging and we're making our way there. Um, but I really wanted to have a voice and be able to help push this movement forward. And so right now, Beauty Counter kind of wraps around with mom and babe. And so I kind of bring in when I, I love working, especially with moms and babies, just because I, I know that that's such a crucial time. I know that, you know, what I'm exposing myself to is getting into my breast milk and Santi is being exposed to that. Um, it's not only me that I care about anymore. And so I, I bring in a lot of different areas of health and, you know, whether that means different ways of moving your body, um, the food that we're putting in our body, the products that we're using in our household, all of this kind of get, gets wrapped up in one thing. Um, and that's kind of where my career, I think, is going right now is working with Beauty Counter and Mom and Babe and kind of bringing those two together into one world for me at the moment. I love that. Yeah. And I think more people need to do things like that. So I think it's great that you're providing that that service, especially to women who are either pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant or just had a baby when it is so important. And it's, you know, it's pretty overwhelming when you find out that you're pregnant and your family is changing and so many other, you know, there are so many thoughts that go through your mind. I think sometimes you don't want to change what you know. And so just making that a little bit easier, providing resources and kind of being the one that does all of the groundwork and just presents that information, I think it just, it makes the transition a little bit easier. 
I think it's it once you find out about this, you feel this need to act on it immediately. And that feeling can be really overwhelming, especially as a female who may use much more products than the average male. So what are the first steps that you recommend that somebody take, especially when they're thinking of the financial burden of throwing out all of their expensive makeup or skincare products? I would start with what you use directly on your skin and most often. So normally that would be something like cleansers, moisturizers that you're using daily, sometimes twice a day. When you think about, you know, if you're washing your face with warm water, you're opening up your pores and then you're putting on these products that are absorbing directly into your bloodstream, um, you know, those, you want those products to be the cleanest. And one place that you can find that you know how clean those products are is the EWG. It's an app that you can download on your phone. It's they're the environmental working group and it rates products on a scale of one to ten for various categories of safety. And you can plug the products you're already using in there, see how safe those products are, and then you can go through and toss out the ones that are you know, the most dangerous, the ones that are rating up, I would say one to three is considered safe. And then anything above that, I really wouldn't put on my skin. Um, So toss out whatever that is and then replace those items. And it doesn't have to be all at once. You can replace one item at a time, um, you know, replace either the one that's going directly on your skin first or that's rated highest and then just go from there. Yeah. And I would also encourage people that maybe if you're replacing something, so a lot of times you could be using something toxic that's not necessarily a cheap drugstore product. It could be something that you actually paid a lot of money for. And there are products out there that aren't necessarily prohibitively expensive to replace it. So I like, I've been sort of practicing that replacement strategy as well. Yeah. I like that. What, when you're thinking about the most toxic things that we should be looking out for, especially if you do have the opportunity to be in a grocery store and look at the back of a label, what are the things that you really want people to know and look out for? I think sometimes we're surprised that a lot of the clean um, brands that we're using, you know, I go to our town and country, which is a really nice grocery store. And I think that those products are going to be clean. And I actually just saw I was using a conditioner from there. And I saw that the last ingredient on there was fragrance. And fragrance can mean so many things. It can be, you know, over a combination of 3,000 plus chemical ingredients in there. A lot of them are hormone disruptors, allergens, and they can be found in anything. They can be in cosmetics. They can be in shampoos, conditioners. I mean, they're all over the place. Um, Candles. You don't want to be, you know, exposing yourself to all of these hormone disruptors, which if you're, you know, trying to get pregnant or if you're breastfeeding or anywhere you are in your life, no matter where you are in your life, you know, your body is meant to function one way. And when you're introducing all of these chemicals like the hormone disruptors, it's not able to do what it's meant to do. So definitely synthetic fragrance is something I would look out for. Uh, Formaldehyde, which can also hide under a lot of other names, and it can be found in things like bubble bath, body wash, shampoo. Um, It's a preservative, which is a known carcinogen. Um, It's also linked to things like asthma, neurotoxicity, developmental toxicity. There is BHA and BHT, which is a synthetic antioxidant, which is used to extend the shelf life of a product. And you can find it in things like lipstick, moisturizers, diaper creams. I will note that 
you know, even a lot of diapers um, can cre- can contain things like fragrances, you know, and our babies are way more sensitive than we are. So definitely looking at baby products is a great place to start in terms of the diaper creams you're using, the lotions that you're using on them. I like to use just coconut oil and sometimes some essential oils on Santi. You know, BHA and BHT are likely carcinogens and also hormone disruptors and can, I've seen even cause things like liver damage. Um, so clearly we don't want to be putting that on our little babies as their bodies are just learning how to work properly. Um, parabens, phthalates, there are so many things, um, to look out for. And actually, if you're looking for an extensive list, Beauty Counter has a list of 1,500 that number actually just increased to 1800 in the last week or so ingredients that they have banned from their products. So that's a good place to start. If you go on their website and you look up that, that list, it will go through and explain some of the reasons you wouldn't want to use those ingredients and in products that you can find them in. And sometimes just learning to trust different brands can be nice so that you can go on and know that anything you're buying is safe. In addition to Beauty Counter, are there a few brands that you really trust and would recommend to people? In terms of my beauty products, that's really the only place that I go to. I've used Honest Company before, and I think they do have a handful of good products. But I look, honestly, because Beauty Counter has made it clear that all of their products fall between a one and a three on the EWG. That's really the only brand that I don't look up um, the products for. Almost everything else I'll plug into the EWG and just make sure that it falls in line with what is acceptable for me. And everyone can have different standards. You know, a one to three is just what I feel comfortable with. And that doesn't mean that there aren't other brands out there that are equally safe. Um, but it's definitely worth looking into. And if the products that you look for on the EWG, if they don't pop up, you can always put in the individual ingredients. It just takes a little bit longer, obviously. Well, how has this affected other areas of your life besides just looking at the cosmetics that you're using or um, things that you're putting directly on your body? You can kind of get stuck down this rabbit hole. I think when I started with Beauty Counter, it it kind of scared me because I even though I had known that there were other um, areas in my life that I could be reducing toxic exposure, I really came to understand the effects of what this could have on my body. Um, So I really started looking more into my water quality. I actually found here on Bainbridge, um, there were 19 contaminants in the Bainbridge water supply and arsenic was over a thousand times what they recommended in, um, in our water. Luckily I have already, you know, we don't drink our tap water, even though it is considered, you know, by the city safe. Um, But of course, when you're showering, you're exposed to that. There's also chlorine in the water. There's all sorts of things in the water. So it's kind of hard sometimes not to become scared of those things, you know, looking at things that you, your cookware, like your pots and pans, you don't want like the nonstick pans. You really want to be cooking with things like the cast iron pots and pans as much as possible. You know, everything that you clean your house with. I tend to make all of my own cleaners, mostly with um, like a little bit of vinegar and essential oils and distilled water. I use, I'll use Branch Basics. I think they're actually a really great brand as well. 
the dishwasher pods that I used because you don't want your plates and your cups to have all of this gunk on them that you're then drinking and putting into your body, the nail polish that you use, even like the air quality. I just brought in a bunch of plants and I have this new air diffuser because we live in this old house and I'm sure there's mold in here. And, you know, it's like you can just, there are, there are so many things that, you know, obviously it can become expensive. And I try to kind of work away at it slowly um, and not become too overwhelmed by it and know that our body is made to, we have these detox detox pathways, but I also try to support my detox pathways as much as possible as well to just keep things moving. Yeah. And I I think you make a really good point there that we are made to detox our bodies. Some people are much more vulnerable thinking about younger people and your age, but that even just reducing things that are in your control can help you and help you to be healthier. Yes, we can definitely, you know, we do have control over a lot of it and some things we don't have control over. Um, You know, I also manage a restaurant and I'm touching rags that have chemicals on them sometimes. And it's like, you know, I can't, I can't eliminate everything from my world. I would live in a bubble these days. You know, we're, it's just unfortunately the way our society here, and you know, you can get outside of it, but it, you would really have to change your entire lifestyle um, and give up a lot of modern day, modern day things that we use today if you wanted to completely steer clear of all of that. Do you feel hopeful? I mean, I feel like. I don't know if it's just the people that I follow or that I've become more interested in the topic. I do feel like people are talking more about this in ways that I had never seen before, but I also am very aware of the bubble that I might live in. So do you feel like it is more pervasive in these bubbles of people that are interested in it? Or do you feel hopeful that the entire industry as a whole will at some point be transformed? I I am hopeful. I think that you know, all of us have the power to vote with our voices, vote with our wallets. And it's similar to, you know, the organic industry as, as we've said that we want more organic produce They're now, you know, that's becoming more common. And, um, I think that as we say, we care about what's going into our products and into our cosmetics, then those, you know, we're going to be producing more of those. I saw some company recently, I can't remember which which beauty brand it was, but it was some like Rite Aid brand, um, you know, something you would find in Rite Aid and they were EWG verified. So we're, we're clearly starting to show that we care. And that's the first step in moving things forward. Um, the CEO of beauty counter was actually, uh, just invited to speak in Congress and, um, on cosmetic reform. So I think things are changing. You know, people are realizing that the laws need to change, that we need to protect ourselves, but that we also care about protecting other people that maybe can't afford these more expensive products or that aren't as interested in learning about, um, you know, the safety of their products. This is really an issue that affects everyone. And, unless we start taking action on it sooner rather than later, then we're going to suffer and our children are going to suffer. And it's something, you know, as we're looking at this whole state of the planet, you know, I think we just need to take into account, you know, our actions are are really important right now. And so I think we're at a time of change, not just when it comes to cosmetics and food, but really how we function as a whole, as a population, 
you know, as humanity, we have to make a lot of changes right now. And hopefully this is one of those areas that will start moving forward. And hopefully one that doesn't feel as elitist. I think the more that I research functional medicine and working with a functional medicine practitioner or eating healthy and eating organic brands and organic food and getting away from processed food or the safer beauty, I think I become so frustrated at how expensive it is to make these decisions and that we are affecting populations that likely need it the most by making it unaccessible. So um, I love that brands like Walmart are having more organic foods and that those Rite Aid products are becoming verified. So I really love that direction of the movement because the elitism of it, it, it makes me really sad. It is sad. I mean, we don't choose where we want to be put in this life, you know, and so being able to make that accessible to people that, you know, don't have the resources or the, or, you know, can't afford to um, provide in the ways that they want to for their family. I hope that we can, you know, make, make it more realistic for everyone. Well, how can people start their journey here? How can people follow you? And do you have any recommended resources where somebody can start to learn all about this? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at mom and babe beauty, um, spelled M O M A N D babe, B E A U T Y. Um, I chat about things that are beauty, food, nutrition, babies, um, non-toxic, just mom life and the reality of, you know, what that can look like. I, you know, like moms to feel like they're not alone because I think this whole experience of being a mom can be really challenging. And with all the information that's out there, you can, I think we're kind of expected to, um, you know, eat a certain way, portray our lives a certain way. And so I try to show a little bit of the challenges and the struggles of what it's like to be a working mom and still be able to provide good nutrition and healthy living for our families. In terms of reading resources, I think that there are a lot of magazine articles that are starting to come out if you're interested in things like cosmetics. Um, Branch Basics, if you go to their website, they actually have a lot of good reading and resources out there as well on their site. Um, But I think Magazines like Allure and Glamour and InStyle have um, recently released some good articles on cosmetics. And just in terms of, you know, general resources, I really like the Nourishing Traditions book of baby and child care. It's by Sally Fallon, and she has really influenced a ton of our um a ton of my decisions when it comes to the way that we live our life and the foods that we eat and what we expose ourselves to. So it really is kind of like a basic book and it goes back to just eating whole healthy foods. A lot of um, things like she has in there like caviar and organ meats and she's just, it's just a really amazing book. I love looking into it and it's easy for anyone to read. It doesn't go into like the specifics of nutrients and all of that, but it just has a lot of really great information on general nutrition and as well as just healthy living. Awesome. Well, I'll link to those in the show notes so people can know how to follow you and also know where to find that book. And I would also put a little plug for you too, that if anyone is interested in purchasing beauty counter products, and I purchase all my products through Sarah, that you can contact her and she'll help you out and, um, help you figure out what where you can start and, and what might be good for you. So I know it can be a little overwhelming to even know what type of products to get when you're first looking into it. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I was such a beginner when I first started. I mean, I was really coming from using coconut oil moisturizer. So I was like, I have no idea what type of, you know, what my skin type is or what I need. And so someone definitely had to walk me through it. And I feel like it's been a a learning curve for me as well. And now I'm at a point where I feel like I can help other people. So it's exciting to be there. One other company I will plug that we haven't talked about is Primally Pure. My counter is full of Beauty Counter and Primally Pure products. And if you're looking to um, take out your deodorant or your lotions, I just, I love that brand so much. So there are amazing brands out there that are jumping on this bandwagon and and, um, can make it really fun and exciting to try new things. Yeah, definitely. That is a good one. There are, there are a lot of companies out there. It's just a matter of um, doing some research and and finding what those ones are. Well, thank you so much for coming. I learned so much today and I hope we didn't scare you while listening. And if anything just made you think a little bit differently next time you replace that old tube of mascara or um, that face wash that you're about to throw out and just any little change can make such a difference. Yes. Yes. I think it actually is really empowering knowing that you are the one that gets to make these decisions when it comes to your body and your health.